Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Robbie Anderson is on the Panthers. Brashad Perryman is replacing Robbie Anderson on the Jets. Greg Allman is coming on the show. He is a Bucks beat writer. We actually already recorded the interview. You'll hear that at the end of the show. And I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, and Heath Cummings. Good morning, everybody. How are you today, Heath? I am fantastic. I have seen the notes for the show, and I'm greatly looking forward to answering some of these questions. The regulators' questions? No. Oh, the other questions. Well, Dave Richard sent me... Uh, some questions the other day. He asked me if I had any advice for uh, working from home. And I said, find the place in your house where you can get locked in mentally. When you sit down there, you know it's time to be productive and try not to snack too much. And Dave said, I'm 0 for 3 so far. So how's it going, Dave? How's, <laughs> how's the transition to working from home? Uh, it's, it's something. I'm coming to you live from my backyard. So you may hear a breeze or a bird or who knows what else, a neighbor, but hopefully not. Um, but I found my place. It's peaceful out here. It's shady. So getting some work done out here. And um, yeah, snacking is rough. It's very, very, very rough tough. when you're at home and and uh, you got a cabinet full of goodies and a, and a wife who keeps a house full of really, really good food all the time. So. Uh, I've, I'm probably going to put on the, the COVID-19 while I'm sitting here at home. <laughs> Jeez. And welcome, Jamie. I don't have anything, hey, buddy. I don't even have anything clever to say to you, but hi. I watched the entire uh, uh, Tiger King. I, you know what? I was going to ask if anybody had seen Tiger King, but I felt like, like the three of you, uh, and offense intended here, are just very, very unhip, rarely watch popular <laughs> things. And I didn't think there was a chance in hell any of you was going to watch Tiger King, but I don't even know what that is. Proven wrong. Did you yeah, like I it? I watched the I watched the first one two nights ago. No, did I watch them all yesterday? No, I watched them all yesterday. Wow. Yeah, I watched the I watched I watched the first one and then I got hooked and so I just finished the whole thing. Okay, I guess it it's was fascinating. Good. Absolutely fascinating. I what I heard I heard the podcast. It's uh, it's about this crazy guy who owns tigers and crazy his, people. His fight with an animal <laughs> rights activist. Yeah. There was a podcast over my dead body season two, and then they did a it's, show out of it. It's it's really good. Yeah. All right. Let's let's rock and roll here. Rankings questions. DJ Moore went thirteenth overall in the post free agency three receiver PPR league that we did. Mike Evans went later. So first question. Now Robbie Anderson is on the Panthers. Obviously Tom Brady's on the Bucks. Mike Evans or DJ Moore? Heath. I've gone back and forth on this one, I think, three times in the last two months. I currently have DJ Moore one spot ahead of Mike Evans and Mike Evans in PPR and Mike Evans just ahead of DJ Moore in non-PPR. I think that uh, like the solidifying of Moore's quarterback situation with Bridgewater was good. I think that the slight downgrade when Tom Brady went to Tampa for Mike Evans, but then a slight downgrade for DJ Moore when Robbie Anderson went to Carolina. Okay, Dave, Anderson or... Or sorry, not Anderson. Moore Evans. I'm I'm going to take Evans over Moore and Anderson in that order. Um, <laughs> I I'm not crazy about Moore um, compared to the other guys here, but I I think he can be good. I think volume will be fine. Adding Robbie Anderson is just adding another another 
pair of hands to feed here because McCaffrey's going to get his. I don't think Curtis Samuel's going away. I think Ian Thomas is going to get a couple of catches each week, and Robbie obviously is going to have a role. This is a spread offense. It's not going to be filtered through one or two receivers. It's going to be filtered through um, everybody, and it could be even targets some weeks. This is this is kind of what I think Heath refers to with Arizona and why he doesn't like DeAndre Hopkins so much. He's worried about this happening in Arizona, and shoot, maybe it will, but that would surprise me. I think it is going to happen in Carolina. And DJ Moore for me, even in PPR, not even a top 24 pick. Interesting. All right, Jamie, how about you? Moore or Evans? Um, Evans for now. I'm with Heath. I, I, I haven't gone back and forth on it as long as he has, but just since the Robbie Anderson signing. Um, uh, I think it's a downgrade for Moore. Just it's a matter of how much of a downgrade is it going to be because they're going to be one of the more pass-heavy teams, I think, just based on how the division is, how their defense is, how game flow could potentially go for them. And the thing about Bridgewater is he's going to get the ball out quick. And so his top two targets are going to be clearly uh, McCaffrey and and Moore. It's just a matter of how much does each guy lose with Robbie Anderson on the field. And so, I mean, I, I think we'd all agree Curtis Samuel is the biggest loser with Robbie Anderson coming. It's just a matter of how much does DJ Moore lose. So uh, in non-PPR, for me, it's easy to go Evans just because I think the touchdowns are going to clearly be in his favor. In PPR, I have him back-to-back right now. Evans at eight and Moore at nine. For Robbie Anderson, we can get into this in a little bit, but this is, we're not expecting a, a very prolific offense, maybe. Like Teddy Bridgewater's not going to throw for 5,000 yards, probably not going to throw for 4,500, but Robbie Anderson has been on. He might be close to 4,500. I, I, I would be shocked. Like, that's a if, big if, number. If, if, they if were, they're chasing points to the level that they could be, I, I think how it's, many, it's How many quarterbacks you think threw for 4,500 last year? It was like four or five. There's no way Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the top five is he, pa- passing. Is order. he going to average seven and a half yards per pass attempt? I've got him at seven point two. Right. Yeah, so that, I, would, I, would, I would say seven. Okay. So he'll he could get close to forty five hundred. You divide forty five hundred <laughs> by six hundred, and it's seven point five. Well, that's a that's completions. Oh, no, you're saying attempts per attempt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I. J- All right, so let's say let's say it's forty three hundred. Well, here's what I was going to say about Robbie Anderson. Here's where his quarterbacks have, with the Jets in four years, they've been between 3,400 and 3,645 yards and never a 20-touchdown pass season. He has been on terrible passing offenses in his career. You uh, want the, the ultimate evidence of that is uh, the fact that only 60% of the throws that went his way last year with the Jets were catchable. <laughs> All right, we'll get That's into terrible. him in a bit. Uh, let's get our next rankings update. Well, we'll get into him right now. Robbie Anderson or Curtis Samuel? Heath, Jamie, Dave. I will go with Robbie Anderson. I mean, he's at least shown us the ability to be a top 25 wide receiver in the past and had a down year last year, maybe a down year the last two years and still better than Curtis Samuel's career year. I just don't like, I think this should be the final nail in the coffin, at least for like any sort of realistic hope of Curtis Samuel's fantasy value. At this point, he looks a lot like Tavon Austin with a better hype man. (laughs) Okay, Anderson or Samuel, he's going Anderson. Jamie? Anderson. Dave? Samuel. Why? Because I think he's the better short area target. And uh, to me, Robbie just reeks of decoy and, you know, shot play a couple times a game. We've never seen Robbie Anderson work as so the guy the guy know, that the guy they brought the guy that they brought in and who has a, a connection with the coach is a decoy that they're paying twelve million dollars for this year. 
Well, it's not necessarily all decoy. Obviously, they're going to take some deep shots with him, but I think they learned that Curtis Samuel, for whatever reason, yeah, I, I think I think done. you're underselling Robbie Anderson as a route runner. I don't think he's just a deep guy. Okay, I think Curtis Samuel's a pretty good route runner too. I think he's got good yard after the catch potential. Maybe I'll double check all the numbers and we'll we can compare the two of them. Neither one of them is going to be a player I'm targeting on draft day, and it could be very well where one week it's Curtis Samuel with a good game. And then two weeks go by and neither of them do jack squat. And then the next week, Robbie Anderson, you know, has four catches for 129 yards and two touchdowns. So there's probably not going to be much consistency with either one of these guys. I'd rather have Deontay Johnson. Okay, next rankings question. Let's go Dave, Jamie Heath, Robbie Anderson or Brashad Perryman. I'll go Anderson for now, but same thing as with Samuel, just guys that I'm not real excited about taking yeah that let's let's put that in perspective <laughs> not the most exciting names but anderson or perryman you're saying anderson jamie yeah anderson heath yeah i'll go anderson last one jameson crowder or will fuller 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 because of the upside but if i had to bet my life on who's going to score more ppr fantasy points in the upcoming year i would rather bet on crowder i will give you an encouraging jameson crowder stat 16-game pace based on the 13 games he played with Sam Darnold. This is really good for PPR. 86 catches, 933 yards, seven, tar- seven touchdowns on 133 targets. I mean, he did nothing in three games without Sam Darnold. But the 13 games with Darnold, he was, you know, he was solid. He was unfortunately, like Jameson Crowder always is, extremely inconsistent, extremely unpredictable. We recall three bad games in a row. And then what does he do in, what, week 14, I think? Thursday night at Baltimore, he has two touchdowns. Everybody's like, oh, of course. I finally benched him, and he goes off. And that's just the experience of Jameson Crowder. But I think, you know, one, one thing with the Jets that I'd like to see, because I, I don't know how quickly Sam Darnold was back from mono. You know, once he missed time, yeah. and then how quickly he was himself. And he was not himself in week one when he played with mono. So it's a, it's a fair point. All right, as I mentioned, we have a, an interview with Bucks beat writer Greg Allman. A lot of important things to ask him. You'll hear that at the end of the show. And Jamie and I talked to him a couple of days ago. We talked to him before Deion Lewis signed with the Giants, so you will hear him reference Deion Lewis uh, possibly going to the bar. Well, just referencing him, but that was before we knew about the Giants. Uh, CBS Sports HQ, you got to make sure you're watching it. Download the HQ app, CBS Sports HQ app. It's free, 24-7 streaming coverage. A lot of fantasy football talk on there now. So um, check check HQ out. Sign up for our newsletter, Fantasy Football Today newsletter, at cbssports.com slash newsletter. Stay up to date with fantasy football content sent straight to your inbox all off-season long. And if you're working from home this week, you if you're bored, talk to your new friend Alexa and ask Alexa or any other smart speaker, by the way, to play Fantasy Football Today. So we're finding out that people are listening a lot on these devices. If you're not aware of it, you can just say to your smart speaker, uh, play fantasy football today, and you can start and stop FFT episodes with your voice. Very powerful. Very cool. So the news and notes, well, some of it we've gone through, some of it we haven't. Robbie Anderson, two years, $20 million. The first year is $12 million. Carolina released Cam Newton. The Jets signed Brashad Perryman, one year, $8 million. Perryman was uh, otherworldly in the last five games of the season. It doesn't sound like there's much interest in him. Dave, where are you on Perryman? Late round pick, if at all. 
Uh, any nobody really optimistic about him? I mean, nope. the you know the the hope would be is like you said those five games where he was the featured guy. You know, I I do think that it's going to be Crowder, but I mean, you know, we'll see. Again, I I'd like to see how Darnold is for a full year healthy. Perryman's also had a lot of injuries. 2015, he missed with a partially torn PCL. He had a partially torn ACL in 2016 in training camp. He missed the 2017 preseason with injuries. He gets a bit of an opportunity here, but only one year, $8 million. Packers signing Devin Funches. Heath, does that matter? Well, actually, hold on. Packers signing Funches. Vikings signing Tajay Sharp. Seahawks signing Philip Dorsett. Redskins signing Cody Latimer. Heath, does any of that matter? Probably not. If How there was a guy, probably not is the best way to say it. But like, okay. you could see a situation where Devin Funches catches eight touchdowns and has 550 receiving yards or something and has some fantasy value in non-PPR. Um, I don't have any idea what Washington's doing. Like, it doesn't make sense to me at all with the running backs that they're accumulating. Oh, this is a great haul for Washington. Peyton Barber. Richard Rodgers, <laughs> Cody Latimer. I mean, I'm nervous to, to face Washington twice a year. Uh, could really hurt the Giants draft pick. No, um, yeah, they, they're not really doing much inspiring stuff right now. But I, I guess if you... Here's... Ready for a meaningless stat? The most meaningless stat in show history. In the last three seasons, Cody Latimer has had three games with more than five targets. In all three of those games, he has had either 70 yards or a touchdown. I mean, proud of you for looking up some Cody Latimer data. <laughs> That's what I do. By the way, this this is terrible for Adam Thielen now because Tajay's coming. Yeah. yeah, he just he, he's coming off a year where he doubled his career touchdown total, and you saw the report. He's going to start clearly. I mean, it's obvious, right? Tajay Sharp, second round pick now. Yeah, yeah. I I think he's going to lose to BC Johnson. I think I think Johnson's better. <laughs> uh, Jacksonville signed Tyler Eifert. <laughs> Does anybody care about you? Didn't take hold on, hold on. You didn't take me seriously, Jamie. He may have. What about Tajay Sharp? Yeah, you love. Uh, Yeah, the the love is long gone. (laughs) Okay, Uh, (laughs) I'll be surprised if he makes the roster at this point. To Tyler Eifert, Jamie. uh, Tyler Eifert to the Jaguars. Do you care? Uh, Only once they sign Andy Dalton to be their starting quarterback. Marcus Mariota acknowledged that the. Las Vegas Raiders, that, that is Derek Carr's team. Mariota publicly at least accepting a backup role. We shall see. The Niners signed Travis Benjamin. Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to say about those wide receivers. Does signing Philip Dorsett, granted just a one-year deal, does it give you any indication of what the Seahawks offense might be morphing into, getting a little more speed on the field? getting that another wide receiver, another big play threat for Russell Wilson. And we already heard that he wants to throw the ball a little bit more and go hurry up or whatever. Does the Philip Dorsett, it, I know it doesn't matter for Dorsett, but do you think it's a, an indication that this could be a different type of team this year? Hopefully. I, Yeah. I mean, I, I think there is a definite chance. Like R- Russell Wilson's comments are more of an indication to me that they could be a different type of team. I don't know that like Philip Dorsett is the type of guy that's going to change anything for me. Right. Okay. Now th- this is adding competition 
for the receiver spots behind Lockett and Metcalf. This tells me that they weren't thrilled with the David Moores and Malik Turners of the world. I'm very excited to talk about the mock draft we did yesterday. We're doing another one, or Tuesday. We're doing another one today. We're going to recap the mock draft on Monday. We're going to have mock draft Monday coming up. That could be a recurring segment or day, mock draft Monday. But some interesting picks. And all of you at home, think about which Seahawks receiver should go first. And T.Y. Hilton, where do you have him? He fell, I think he was the 26th wide receiver off the board. So things like that. We'll talk about that next week. That's more or less it for the news. Bruce Arians said that Tom Brady can still throw the, throw the ball downfield. And he said that O.J. Howard's, quote, eyes should light up. It's still going out on the practice field and earning that trust. I think that will be his number one focus. You have a quarterback that likes to throw to tight ends. Go earn it and get balls thrown to you. All right. We'll see what happens. I guess that means O.J. Howard's staying. <laughs> where, where would he go? somewhere else. It tells me that the coaching staff isn't done with them yet. They still think that there's something there. Hope so. We shall see. All right, dynasty wide receivers and tight ends, the risers and the fallers. After this, we'll do the fantasy regulators. You can always send your questions in to fantasyfootball at cbsi.com or leave an Apple podcast review. Heath, your three risers, Adam Thielen to 31st in dynasty, dynasty. Will Fuller to 34th and Kenny Stills to 47th. So none of them are in their top 30 in dynasty wide receivers. Thielen, Fuller, and Stills. Jamie, would you have put any of these guys in your top 30 or let's say in your top 24? Do you think Heath is like way too low on Thielen, Fuller, or Stills? It's hard to say without knowing who's ahead of them. Um, Thielen probably a little bit. Fuller, I think that's around the right spot for him. I mean, again, for him, it's all health, you know, and, and I think what the Texans do. But, yeah, Thielen, you know, he gets a, he gets a nice boop and boost and potentially a big <laughs> boost i said i said poop you said yeah you, you kind of did say poop that was fun so so he feeling we i think you have him top 10 this year right uh, i believe he's 12th oh, all right well you should have him top 10 i guess is what i meant to say uh if why is a top 12 guy who's 29 years old will be 30 in august 31st is it just is it just that he's 30 um well 30 certainly like i Everyone's age in my dynasty trade chart is their age on what is presumed to be hopefully opening day of the 2020 football season. So, yeah, I do call him 30 years old, just like T.Y. Hilton. And I like there's certainly uncertainty about how many years you're going to get from Adam Thielen. Is he is there going to be more than one year where Adam Thielen? where Tajay Sharp is their second best wide receiver. Are they going to, is Mike Zimmer going to be there for multiple years? Now I do think like the way their roster looks right now and the things they've lost early in this off season, I'm starting to consider upping their pass attempts because I think they might just not be as good. And, and that would help him out a little bit, but there are a lot of guys that are ahead of Adam Thielen that are not better than Adam Thielen right now. But they have a longer future of at least wide receiver two production. They have some reason for hope for the future. It's like with someone like Thielen, you're thinking maybe the coaching staff will change in a year or two, and then he'll be in a more high-volume pass attack. Well, in a year or two, I mean, he'll be 32 years old in a couple of years. And at that point, we're looking at him as just a one-year option. So who's ahead of him? Give me, give me some guys that are ahead of him. You want me to start at 24? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go 24 to 31. Debo Samuel. Dave, Jamie, you can. Would you rather have this guy or Adam um, Thielen in Dynasty? I, I get where Heath's coming from on this. So I just, think just, rather we'll, we'll just say I, a I name. Just say a name because we can't. Just say a name and then we'll kind of recap. I think Thielen. it depends on what type of team you've got in your Dynasty league. If you're rebuilding, then you'd much rather have Debo. Okay, fair. If you're Keenan trying Allen. to win now. It's it's Thielen. Keenan I'd rather Allen, Thielen than Allen. Jamie Keenan Allen or Adam Thielen. Thielen. This is obvious. Just remember, everybody, this is Dynasty. Okay. Marquise Brown. Thielen. Thielen as well. Wow. I got one. 1.02 in the rookie draft or Adam Thielen. Oh, 1.02. Well, that's that's Judy or Lamb, so right. 1.02. Uh, 1.02. But, but again, it depends on where they end up. Don't be so sure that that's a wide receiver, by the way. Could definitely be a running back. Could, Could be. be. But yeah. it's, a, it's a chance to take one of those receivers. So if you're looking to replace Thielen, that's what you would do. I, Robert Woods. Wait, but but Marquise Brown. All right, you know, I won't I won't I won't bog this down. All right, Robert Woods or Adam Thielen. Um Googling Robert Woods age. He'll be twenty eight at the start of the season. Two years young. Hmm. I think I'd still rather have Thielen. And I, I think that I'm probably just more heavily weighting Adam Thielen's age. And offensive situation that because I would agree that like Adam Thielen is a better wide receiver than all these except for Keenan Allen than all these guys. Um, but I like we might have one or two good years left left of Thielen. And he's been hurt two years in a row. I mean, he played through injury in 2018 and he missed a lot of time in 2019. So that shouldn't be completely lost on us. So Marquise Brown, I mean, he was the first wide receiver drafted. He's got a Last year, first wide receiver in the actual NFL draft. He's got a young quarterback that we like. I know we don't love him. He's not going to throw for for a ton of yards necessarily, but obviously good quarterback. Um, just think about DJ Moore. Like DJ Moore was a first round pick in the NFL draft. To I I don't know. Like this time a year ago, we weren't thinking about him the way we are now. I boy Marquise Brown. He, I'm with you, Heath. I'd take him over Adam Thielen in Dynasty. What if, Marquise I think, Brown, like, I think what if Marquise like, Brown is John John Ross? Yeah, I mean he's already who, done more. He, he did anything. he did more than John Ross did in his rookie season, didn't he? I mean, oh, don't disagree. But still, I mean, you know, just because you're a first round pick doesn't necessarily guarantee you success. I think we saw it though. I mean, we saw the playoff game. You know, they had to throw obviously a lot. I think I think Lamar Jackson threw over. 50 oh, I think Marquise Brown's got a ton of talent. I'm just saying, like you know, you keep you keep detaching first round pick as all of a sudden it's guaranteed success. No, but we've seen it. I mean, he. Yeah, he was obviously inconsistent, but I think he showed some stuff his rookie year. I think I think he's too low in the dynasty rankings, without really knowing the dynasty rankings. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, Will Fuller, thirty-four. Right now, he's the number one option for the Texans. He's also, I mean, we don't know how long he'll be on the Texans, but like, let's say they and they don't have a ton of draft capital, so let's say they go into the year. I guess better question. You have him 34th. Is that because you're expecting them to add someone or completely unrelated to that? I, I Will Fuller is one of the, <laughs> the more difficult players to rank right now because like same thing a lot of people were saying about Juju last year. We've not really seen Will Fuller without the other team 
devoting a lot of resources to stopping DeAndre Hopkins. He has been wildly efficient on the targets he's given, but he's never really gotten a very big target share, and he's never stayed healthy. He's never played 16 games, so like he's just a complete unknown. If he had a breakout like Devontae Parker did last year, I can't say that I would be totally surprised. If we were not even talking about him as a top 45 dynasty wide receiver after this year, I wouldn't be that surprised. Texas, by the way, have eight picks, but no first round pick. 40th, 57th, 90th, and then everything else is 111th, 171. Uh, we shall see. All right, let's go to the fallers in the dynasty rankings. Christian Kirk, wide receiver 30, just ahead of Adam Thielen. Curtis Samuel and Julian Edelman, they are fallers as well. Edelman is wide receiver 59 in dynasty. Curtis Samuel's Ooh. wide receiver 38. I guess when we're looking at Christian Kirk and Curtis Samuel, they're still young. Does anybody see the potential for these guys to be studs? Great. Like, really revive their careers. Christian Kirk, Curtis Samuel. No. Revive their careers for 2020? No. Revive is not but, the right word, but, you know, jumpstart their careers. Potentially finish as a top 15 wide receiver more than once over the remainder of their careers. Yeah, I like that. I don't even know if that's what a stud is. Right, because I like a stud, that, you uh, you almost assume that they're going to finish in the top fifteen every year. Yeah. All right. So let's just say, potent, like a like an Emmanuel Sanders type. You know, Kirk, I wouldn't yes. rule, I wouldn't rule out Christian Kirk after the season because again, Fitzgerald, who knows how much longer he's going to play, and then you know this offense is going to spread the ball around. As as Ben Gretsch said earlier this week, he thinks Kirk could still be good this year. I like Kirk better than Samuel in that regard. Long term, he's got a chance to be a good fantasy contributor. He's 23. He'll be 23 when the season starts. So I, I would take a more patient approach with Kirk. What is different about Christian Kirk than, say, Michael Gallup, who I had him on a dynasty team as a rookie. He did nothing. And I thought to myself, like, gosh, I, did I waste a pick? And Gallup had a huge uh, sophomore season. Well, Kirk's already had his sophomore season. Yeah, I, I know that, but... It's second year now with Kyler Murray, so hopefully... Second year with Kingsbury, too. Second year with Kingsbury. And now, of course, my great Michael Gallup pick, the league disbanded before last season, so I don't get to reap any of the benefits. But, you know, I, I just want to bring that comparison up. Oh, I yeah, I think Christian Kirk could definitely be anywhere between Michael Gallup and Corey Davis. Um, that's And it's his third year, so we'll feel more confident where he is after this upcoming year. <laughs> In that range, but I, I think he's probably going to be a, a decent number three wide receiver for fantasy purposes over the next five years, and there's hope that he could be a decent number two. All right, we'll move on to tight ends then. Risers and fallers. Three risers, two fallers. So these are dynasty rankings for tight ends. In your top 12, you now have Jonu Smith and Hayden Hurst. They are 11th and 12th. Blake Jarwin is also a riser. He is 17th. So who did you move Jonu Smith and Hayden Hurst? Now tight ends 11 and 12 in your dynasty rankings. Who did you move them ahead of? Um, TJ Hawkinson. Ooh. That, that, is a, that is a spicy meatball. Dave and Jamie, what there do you, you think go. about that? Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do enjoy meatballs. I, I, can't, I can't buy into it with Hurst yet. Because we know that Hurst is going to be 27 years old and if he doesn't come through this season, when he does have an opportunity in Atlanta, we think he's going to have that opportunity with Atlanta, then 
he may never. And Hawkinson, listen, maybe I could say the exact same thing with TJ Hawkinson, right? If he has another year like last year where he's banged up, he's dropping touchdowns, he's blocking a lot, then maybe he'll just never be that guy that we thought he'd be. But I still think there's more upside with Hawkinson being a reliable fantasy tight end for several years than there is with Hayden Hurst. John o. Smith is the one that I would have a tougher time with because he's 25 or 26 25. when the season starts. Yeah. Okay. So he's still plenty young. We know how athletic he is. He's just he's just filled with all kinds of yummy potential that fantasy managers are. That's why they're holding on to John o. and they think that there's a lot of long-term hope there. I, I think I could probably talk myself into Janu ahead of Hawkinson. The the thing with Hurst that's influencing this and maybe too much, but I don't like compared to Hawkinson and Janu Smith. I think there's a, a situation where Hayden Hurst goes and gets Austin Hooper's workload and he's having a top five season this year. And I don't really think for Hawkinson, barring an injury or something weird happening, that really is a possibility. I'm not sure how possible it is for John o. Smith in that offense with the number of targets that are available, especially with A.J. Brown thirsting for more. So I like it's more – you're right. Hayden Hurst probably realistically – he probably has a five-year window still, and you're not really looking much past that. But he may only have three to four years before we start seeing a drop-off. But he just fell into a, such a great situation with a high-powered offense, a quarterback that throws 600-plus times, and an offensive coordinator that is dedicated in 120-plus targets to the position. And like Hayden Hurst hasn't earned very many targets because he's been on the Ravens and they haven't thrown, and Mark Andrews was better than him. But he's been very good when they threw him the ball. He caught 70% of his targets and averaged 12 yards per reception. I think there's no question that if any of the other tight ends we're talking about were in Atlanta, they would be the top guy. So Hurst is, is, is in the right place at the right time. It's just a matter of whether or not he does it. And we haven't seen that yet because he was buried in Baltimore. So if he does it, it's, it's going to look good and he'll have five years. So I, I, I see what you're doing with Hayden Hurst. I understand it. I'm not sure if I would be willing to, um, put him ahead of all those guys though uh, if just not, you not quite there yet put Jonu Smith ahead of TJ Hawkinson in a dynasty league Hawkinson the eighth pick of the NFL draft last year it almost feels like you just think Hawkinson's going to be a bust is that true or false I wouldn't say that I feel like Hawkinson's going to be a bust, but it's hard for me. And again, his situation could change a lot after this year, but I don't have a lot of optimism for him this year, and that is weighing him down. I wouldn't want to have him as a starting tight end on a team that I thought was a contender for sure. Jamie, if you were going to do dynasty rankings at tight end, where would you have Noah Fant? Probably pretty similar to what I have now, somewhere in the seven, eight range. Heath, where do you have no event? Nine. So yeah. Okay. Is there what's the chances that he's really more like two or three? You know, I I definitely see the potential for Fant to have a big year and kind of establish himself as a stud. Well, I mean, you you wouldn't take him over Kelsey or Kittle. I mean, right? 
you could in the- no, obviously I would not. But I'm saying, yeah. but he's how much younger is he than Travis? I think Kelsey? a better way five, to ask the question years? is, what's the chances he's two or three after this year? Yeah, that is right. Right, that's what I'm talking. Like Heath, I'm curious because I know how much you like this guy, but uh, who do you have higher, Fant or Goddard? Uh Fant. Yeah, yeah, right. But you and have Goddard. Want, like he's Noah Fant's only still going to be 22 years old at the start of this year. Right, right. So I mean, you, is, you would, would anybody have? Hunter Henry ahead of Noah Fant in a dynasty league rank. I still do. Because I think Hunter Henry is a, like, we know we know he's a starting tight end. And he's only 25 himself. Yeah, I, I would too. We don't That's know if Noah Fant's a starting That's tight end. That's good rationale. Okay. But it's okay. fun. I mean, this is what's fun because Fant, I mean, look, just look what happened with George Kittle. Right? <laughs> you know, he, he, just, he just had one great year. And now he's the number two tight end in fantasy. He's and, had two great years. Uh, but he was... Okay, but what I'm saying is, like, where I don't know where you had him ranked in your dynasty rankings or even if you did them going into 2018. But it just happens. It, it, that's what's so fun about dynasty is uh, it's not necessarily like an in- incremental progression to elite. Right. You could go from being a borderline top 12 guy to being one of the best at your position. That's exactly what happened with George Kittle. Could easily see that happening with Noah Fant. I don't know about yep. easily, but I could see it happening. Um, all right, and then the fallers at tight end are David Njoku and Will Disley outside your top 20. Njoku's tight end 24. Disley is tight end 26. Heath, uh, quick thoughts there. Yeah, and you said something that I, I like. The fallers aren't that interesting. I don't think we need to spend very much time on them. But you said something when we were talking about Greg Olson that if we find out that Disley is healthy for the start of camp, you'd be more interested in Will Disley. And I just can't think of any reason like they just gave Greg Olson like nine million dollars, right? Oh, I don't remember. But gosh, he has not been good for a long time. But he's had like he just had like and he I agree he wasn't particularly good last year. Or the but he just before. had almost six hundred receiving yards. Yeah, they were almost games all in two Kyle games. Allen. They were the two games against Arizona and Tampa Bay. He was absolute garbage after that. He's he's well, Will Disley is like two, plays like two games a year. Well, okay, I mean, fine, but I'm saying if he's healthy, I'm not drafting either of them. First of all, but I just Disley's Disley's been good when he's been on the field. Can't say that for just, Olsen lately. They just paid Greg Olson like a ton of money. Look, bad contracts are handed out all the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I look, I it's fine. I'm happy to. Uh, have that disagreement. How about how about you guys? If Will Disley is healthy for week one, who would you who do you think is gonna have better numbers? For twenty twenty? Olsen. Yeah. Olsen, but I wouldn't be excited about having either one of them as my starter. But in Dynasty, you're definitely taking Disley over Olsen. Sure. I got it as a one year seven million dollar deal, by the way. Is that a lot? Yeah, I've got it as a two year seventeen million dollar deal. But I'm looking at the wrong deal. So one year seven million, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really not that much. Nope. For a tight end, when they had Jacob Hollister and Will Disley on their team, it's a really bad. That just, I think it's a bad signing. That just tells you that they wanted to try and improve there. There, there's something that they've seen from their. Well, tight we don't end. know if Disley's going to play yeah, week. That's the right. other thing. Th- that's probably what they saw. <laughs> Disley's hurt. He keeps getting hurt. We need a solution. Here's a here's a guy that's really good at his position. Has been good for a long time. Hopefully, he stays healthy. What's his price tag? Oh, it's seven million. Maybe it's a little more than they wanted to spend, but they needed the help, so they had to pay it. Yeah, 
weeks two through five, Will Disley, eight or more non-PPR fantasy points, four touchdowns in those four games. Then he got hurt in week six. Tore his Achilles. That's a, that's a big deal. And that's it for... Oh, Najoku. Final thought on Najoku. Just, he, he, I hope they trade him. He gone. Yeah, they really should. Well, then let's regulate. I want to thank everybody for sending in your league issues to fantasyfootballcbsi.com. First one is from Kate. I need help from the regulators. 12-team dynasty league. How should the rookie draft order be determined? There's an argument because some thought the winner of the toilet bowl would get first. Others thought one through six were determined by uh, regular season standings. Anybody want to weigh in? If you've got a toilet bowl, there's got to be a prize for the toilet bowl. Does there? It's the toilet bowl. Your prize is saying you won the toilet bowl. Nobody else even paid attention. No one's ever going to remember that you won the toilet bowl. The toilet bowl shouldn't exist, (laughs) and neither should your commissioner because they did a bad job not establishing before the season how the next year's draft was going to be ordered. Wow. Kick the commissioner out of the league, disband the league. So wait, what do you say, Heath? How should the draft order be determined? I think it should be reverse standings of the prior year, especially in Dynasty League. I think Dave is right. If there's a toilet bowl, why have it? You want it, you get the first pick. Adam, you were so close. Why have it? <laughs> but but, but to, Heath, to Heath's point, if the, if the commissioner needs to establish what the toilet bowl means. That's true, but like he didn't or she didn't, so now we have an issue. So it's our job to, to say what, what, to, what to do. I, I think it should be reverse order of standings, and then they should establish in the, in the league uh, bylaws what the toilet bowl vi- winner means. All right, so it's 2-2, I guess. And that that's where I should have said poop. You're right. <laughs> You're on your road. You got to figure it out yourself. Next up, let's go to. Let's go to. No name. All right. Need names on these. Uh, Liz. Liz, we've been playing in an eight team dynasty league for over 15 years. The way we divvy up our rookie pick order is based on our season ending standings, with third place getting the first overall pick. Uh, sorry. Um. Since we utilize deep benches and everyone is stacked, is this fair? Open to suggestions if not. We just don't think that last place should auto get the first overall pick because that promotes tanking. So the first pick goes to third place. The second pick goes to second place. The third pick goes to fourth place. And then on down, and actually the team that wins gets the eighth pick. Okay. Is this fair? No. Definitively not. close. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Is it okay? It's your league? Sure, fine, if that's what you want to do. But I don't get like the very last word, this promotes tanking, as if that's a bad thing. Tanking exists all throughout sports. Being able to like sell all your pieces, get good draft picks, and rebuild your team is one of the most fun parts of Dynasty, right behind winning. <laughs> and it's even more rewarding to win after you've done a complete rebuild. So I think we should allow people to do that and be happy about it. You should do reverse order standings. This here is the real toilet bowl. This is this is terrible. You yeah, finish in last in the dynasty league and you pick seventh in the rookie draft the following year. That's inherently unfair. It's nonsense. Yeah, yeah, that's that's no good. Okay, let's uh, let's get another one here. Regulators. <clears throat> From LaRue, somewhere between Phoenix and Flagstaff, Dave. Uh, Glendale, I guess. I took over an orphan team a few years back. It was standard waiver, but with a 20 transaction limit. Boo. And we switched to Fab. Yay. 
We have a $300 budget now, but we don't have a zero minimum bid. Boo. We have a $10 minimum bid. Egregious. Out of, out of a $300 budget. Question, is this the dumbest thing ever, and should I quit the league? Because I assure you, these mouth breathers in the league won't change it. They say that it promotes trades. $10 minimum bid out of a $300 budget. Dumbest thing ever. So dumb. Um, no, the, the, the last email was dumber. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you should... Sh I mean, look, is this really different than just having a transaction limit? It's... It, it's it's complicating. It's unnecessarily complicating things. Yeah, I mean it. It is strictly a thirty transaction limit, but it's going to be obviously less than that because you're not going to bid minimum ten on everybody. So this is really restrictive. I hate this. I don't think I'd want to be in this league. I hate it that much. All right, let's do one more here. This is from uh, another. Oh no, Ben in Palm Desert, California. Is that Ben? Is that Shraggy B? Stranded out in California right now? I be. <laughs> Greetings, John, Tom, Denver, and especially Catherine. Dukes of Hazard, apparently. Dukes of Hazard. Never seen it. What? I'm not in my 40s, Jamie. I've never seen it. And I have no problem with that. Wow. Were you can you name one character from Dukes of Hazard? I can name four. John, Tom, Denver, <laughs> and Catherine. Those are the characters. <laughs> oh, those so. are the cast members. There's no one in the show named Denver. <laughs> There, there easily could be. Um, yeah, there was Bo. Yeah, was his last name? Was there really a Bo? I had no idea. Maybe yeah, I kind of name? did. Bo Hazard. No, they're oh. from Hazard. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, all right, I need to give my brother How about Bo Duke. <laughs> Bo Duke, yeah. I need to give my brother credit for this idea for our redraft league. The idea is to play the season in a in a, a golf skins game fashion with each week contested as a whole would be. There would be a set amount, say $50 up for grab each week. The amount is only one, however, if one owner outscores all the other owners by a predetermined amount of points, say 10 points. If no one outscores everyone by that amount, then the prize money... <laughs> Prize money moves forward to be added to the next week. Your thoughts? I want to know what that noise was. Come on. It's the <laughs> horn. Even I got that. That's the General Lee. That's the General Lee horn. Okay. I didn't recognize it the first time. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, so a skins game. It, you put money in the pot. It's up for grabs each week. If one owner beats every other owner by a predetermined amount of points, they win the pot. If not... It goes to the pot for the next week. Uh, thoughts? Love it. Yeah, I like I, it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Good stuff. And uh, thank you all for your submissions. We appreciate it. And this has been regulated. So that's uh, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Going to hop off now and hear from Greg Allman, who is in, uh, works for The Athletic. He covers the Tampa Bay Bucks and talks a lot about Tom Brady, the fit in Bruce Arians' offense, O.J. Howard, Ronald Jones, Remember, he does mention Deion Lewis, but we talked to him before Deion Lewis was signed by the Giants. So thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the interview. Very insightful stuff. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you on Mock Draft Monday. The Tampa Bay Bucks have been in the news, in case you haven't seen it. Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. It is awesome. We are excited. And we've got Bucks beat writer Greg Allman joining us. He is from The Athletic, and you can follow him on Twitter at Greg Allman, A-U-M-A-N. 
Welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, we're doing very well. Thanks so much. And let me get right to the right to the point here. How did this happen? How is Tom Brady a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? Yeah, it's kind of been uh, two months of less disbelief every week. Huh. Uh, I think back in like January, I was openly dismissive of anybody that thought that he might come here, and it was wondering why exactly he would leave the Patriots, and if he did, why he'd choose the Buccaneers. Uh, but yeah, over time, it, it gets more and more plausible, and you know, I think the big thing was you know last week on Tuesday when he finally uh, made the announcement to say goodbye and say thanks to Patriots fans. So once once he wasn't going back to New England, that opened things up a lot. And uh, here we are, signed, sealed, and delivered for Tampa Bay. Greg, what's your thoughts on on Brady from what you've seen? Obviously, you've covered the league for you know a good amount of years now, and 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 just watching Brady from afar, uh, did he seem like a forty two year old quarterback? Do you think he has what it takes to play in this Bruce Arians offense? Just your opinion of him watching him on the field? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, again, he he's trying to do something no quarterback in NFL history has ever done in terms of running a full season at age 43, as will be this fall. But again, I mean, he, he did things that no 42 year old had done last year. Um, you know, I think there's inevitably going to be some trail off at that age, but um, you know, you look at what you're starting with, with Tom Brady and, and even in a drop off, even at 80% of what he was uh, two, three years ago, that that's still a pretty good quarterback. And, and the bucks are kind of willing to take that risk and, and see what he can do here, you know, especially uh, limiting mistakes and being a little bit more consistent than what they've had. Yeah, so let's talk about the fit of Brady and Arians, because I think you look at what Tom Brady's been recently, and certainly it could be a matter of personnel, but he's thrown underneath Julian Edelman a lot, he's thrown a James White out of the backfield, and we know that Bruce Arians wants to get the ball downfield, they obviously have Mike Evans. Is Tom Brady going to take more shots than what we've seen in New England? You know, How do you see it playing out in terms of his fit stylistically in the offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a, a compromise uh, and, and a middle ground between uh, what he's been and, and certainly what the Bucks had with James Winston last year. I mean, with Winston, uh, they threw deep a ton. Um, I think the most important thing probably is is making sure you protect Tom Brady better than they protected James Winston last year. I mean, he gave up uh, 47 sacks, or the Bucks gave up 47 sacks last year, a ton of hits. Um, you know, Bruce Bruce likes those long, deep passes that are slow developing plays where a quarterback has to hold the ball a little more. So they're just going to have to be mindful of that and, and make sure, you know, I think Brady's probably a little smarter about knowing from that internal clock when to get rid of the ball, when to give it up. Um, but, you know, I think I think they'll probably throw more downfield just because he has better receivers than he had. I don't think right. he's had a one-two like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I mean, he's thrown to Randy Moss. He's thrown to Wes Welker. Um, but, I mean, last year, you know, the guys he had – beyond Edelman were, were largely injured. Um, things didn't work out, you know, with some of the guys they brought in. So, uh, yeah, from a personnel standpoint, I feel like, you know, especially in this first year without Rob Gronkowski, you know, was dealing with less talent than, than he's used to in the passing game, especially. Yeah, if I could follow up on that real quick. Sorry, Jamie. Um, Mike Evans, from, from as you've watched him, can you tell us, in your view, what kind of a receiver is he? Because I think we sort of see him as just, oh, he's sure. just going to go deep. How versatile of a receiver is he, you know, overall? What is the scouting report on Mike Evans? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he and Randy Moss are the only receivers in NFL history to open their career with six straight 1,000-yard seasons. So remarkably consistent. Um, you know, I don't think he's a great yards after the catch guy, uh, but he's 6'5". He's got ridiculous range. Um, I think when it comes to the lobs and kind of the high, you know, corner fade, 
He was good with the contested catches as much as anybody in the league. Um, can move and, and get downfield when he you know when he wants to. Uh, but they have Chris Godwin for that too. I mean, Chris Godwin's probably one of the best RTF catch receivers in the league. Both of them made the Pro Bowl. I mean, Tom Brady hasn't had a receiver made the Pro Bowl since 2013. So, I mean, I think he's going to be happy to throw those two. Uh, I do think he'll benefit from O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray. He's got a history of, of gaudy numbers for tight ends and tight ends catching double-digit touchdowns. Um, so I think Howard and Braid are going to be excited to have him there as well. Oh, Greg, don't worry. We're going to get to Howard and Braid with you in a <laughs> second. But um, in, term, in terms of Evans and, and Godwin, is there one guy who benefits – or maybe loses more from the quarterback change? Does Godwin just, you know, by his lining up in the slot more and what Brady's track record has been? You mentioned Welker, obviously Edelman. Is that something where he gets a boost because of Brady? Does Evans get a boost maybe because of his accuracy, Brady's accuracy, maybe more so than Jameis? How do you see the, the receiver shake up with the quarterback change? No, I don't think either of them feel shorted. I mean, uh, if I'm a receiver, I'd like to have Tom Brady throwing to me. I mean, I think there's right. an accuracy on the, Mid-range stuff that's probably a step up. I mean, maybe uh, I think you know it's reasonable to think that Jameis Winston has a better arm for the the pure deep balls. I mean, the fifty-yard chucks downfield. I think he's probably better on those. But you know, you, you're talking about a handful of passes a year that are actually going to hitting on that. I, I think Arians is still going to try and go deep. If you watch highlights from last year, I mean, Brady had good, consistent throws. They were 35, 40 yards downfield. You don't need to have too much more than that. Uh, to make these things work. So, I mean, I think the two receivers complement each other. They got to figure out what they're doing for a number three receiver here. Um, it was Brashad Perriman last year, and he's an unrestricted free agent who, who could get pricey. He had a really good last month of the season when the other two were injured. Um, they could go to the draft. You know, I think Bruce Arians really likes the depth of this receiver class to where even in the middle rounds in, in third round, fourth round, they can find a, a talent that'll impact them. And they've got a couple other young rookies, not rookie, but young receivers that they like as well. O.J. Howard, let's talk about him, this, uh, and Cameron Braid for that matter. So what what's the deal? How come he was so unproductive, uh, O.J. Howard in particular, last season, and what do you expect this season? Yeah, I don't even know that he was that. I mean, he was unproductive from like a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. I mean, he had one touchdown, so that was disappointing. But, I mean, his targets were barely down. Uh, yardage wasn't that far down. He played more than he's ever played in his NFL career. Um, they just used him more as a blocker. I mean, I don't know. You know, if they just felt like that was necessary to sustain what little run game they had, um, you know, he was on the field more than 80% of the offensive snaps. They just didn't throw to him as much. Um, part of that is that, you know, OJ struggled earlier in the year. He had two balls that went off his hands for turnovers, um, had a fumble that was a turnover. So, you know, three times fairly early in the year, you're turning into, you know, turnovers there. Um, that That's not helping things. And I think that probably took away from some of the confidence and throwing him the ball, especially in the red zone. Um, but again, another year to get that back. Um, I, I think he's due for a really good bounce back year. Cam Brait um, has pushed through some injuries in recent years, but I mean, he has 27 touchdowns in the last five years. There's only three tight ends in the NFL to have more than that in that span. Um, Brait just took a little bit of a pay cut, a restructuring to stay with Tampa and have a chance to have Tom Brady throw into him. So again, I, I think both of those guys will do well with this. So, Greg, obviously, you know, we're keeping an eye on, you know, you more than we are, but, you know, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, you know, some of the big name running backs that were on the market. And, and, and you know, for two years now, we, we think maybe Tampa Tampa Bay is going to try and fill the need with a veteran guy, you know, to, to run Bruce's system. And Ronald Jones ends up with over a thousand total yards last year. It was somewhat uninspiring, but at times he looked really good. At times he just looked lost again. 
Uh, the fact that they didn't add anybody of significance. How much confidence do you have in Ronald Jones coming out of the NFL draft still as a starter? Or is that a position still of need that they're going to try and dress to upgrade over Ronald Jones? Yeah, I would say, first of all, they're not necessarily done. Um, and then especially in the draft, that's something they can go to. You know, even sometimes you can get good value at backs in the third or fourth round. So uh, I think they like Ronald Jones. I think they feel like he's ascending as a running back. You know, last year was really his first year getting any kind of playing time in the NFL. Um, and his numbers weren't that different from Alvin Kamara last year. Um, you know, I think they can do more with him. I think they'll probably need him to be more of a pass catching back. You know, both he and Peyton Barber were coming off the field on third downs. I mean, they had Daria Kumbawale as their third down back. So I think they'd like to have somebody they can trust to be out there more often. Um, but you have to have, you know, really good pass protection and pass catching skills to be able to build on third down in this offense. So you could see a draft pick, um, you know, second or third round. You still could see them sign a, a, a veteran running back. I mean, Deion Lewis is a guy that played three years with Tom Brady, caught 85 passes in those three years. He just got cut by Tennessee. He, he wouldn't be anything expensive. It would just be a chance for them to upgrade, you know, their second or third back and have somebody they can pair with with Ronald Jones and maybe be a little bit more productive than Peyton Barber was last year. And what do you think about uh, Jameis Winston? Where do you think uh, Jameis ends up? Yeah, it's kind of the big question. There, there's not a lot of opportunities for him right now that that have a clear path to a starting job. I mean, he's, he's likely choosing uh, from a couple different options where there's just kind of a wobbly starter, where there's somebody that's a recent draft pick, um, hasn't done that much, and you have to hope that uh, if you're Winston, that you can either beat them out outright or, or can just be there as the number two when they struggle early in the year. Um, so I don't know whether that's Jacksonville, whether that's Denver. Um, I would have said Washington. They just traded for Kyle Allen from the Panthers. I don't know that I would think that Kyle Allen takes Jameis Winston off the board, um, but I think it speaks to you know these teams just wanting to kind of address the position without bringing in a Newton or a Winston or somebody who's going to take a lot of the spotlight and put some pressure on the young quarterback. So one of those teams makes sense. Um, Pittsburgh's another team where they don't really have a, a strong backup. Roethlisberger's 38. He's coming off an elbow injury. Um, I think they probably recognized last year that they didn't have a very good backup and, and missed the playoffs as a result when they lost their starter to injury. So lots of places where, you know, he's going to need an injury or he's going to need a starter struggling to to get a pass back onto the field, but that's what he has to look for. Greg, is there a worse college in the state of Florida than the University of Miami? <laughs> worse? I don't know. I mean, it, you know, they're trying to get back. Um, you know, I think this could be a year they take a step in the right direction. I mean, it, it's, it's been a downtime. You know, you think about what Miami was for so long, just consistently producing first-round NFL yeah. talent, and they got to get back to that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know whether Manny's the answer or not, but – um, yeah, I mean it's 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 a downtime right now. There's there's plenty of colleges in Florida now that could probably lose to Miami if they tried. But um, <laughs> thank you. You know, from a state standpoint, you want to see Florida, Florida State, Florida, all those schools get back to the, the dominating ways they were 20 years ago, when you had all three, you know, in the top 10 and, and chasing championships. Uh, you're, see, you're, Greg, Greg's you're a, a lot Greg's nicer. A pro. He's a Greg's lot a nicer. Than he, you. An, he answered that question like a true pro. Yeah. See, uh, Greg, Ad, Adam's a uh, a University of Miami grad, so I give him a hard time <laughs> much, as often as I can. I'm a Florida grad, so we're trying to be uh, peaceful here. Yeah, I know. I, I, I appreciate that. Jamie was trying to incite something here, but uh, <laughs> but Greg did not take the bait. And thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Great stuff. Yeah, Greg's uh-huh. the best. If you, you want the care. best, the best, the best Tampa Bay Buccaneer coverage, follow Greg Allman. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. All right. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Thank you. Thanks, Greg.